Stuart G, thanks for joining us, officially known as Stevie. Oh, yeah, thanks, Brad. <laughs> Why, where'd Stevie come from? Um, yeah, well, Stevie come from my, my first day at Hawthorne, actually, um, well, first official day. I was walking through the change rooms, and um, Mark Williams, clearly the, the footy nut that he is, <laughs> um, walked up to me and said, oh, g'day, Stevie, welcome to the club. <laughs> and uh, as with those things, you... You look around and hope no one heard it, but unfortunately, a couple of people did. It's stuck, that's for sure. <laughs> um, mate, you've got one of the more unique and remarkable football genes. Oh, no, I'm not sure about that. Well, but uh, well, it's a little bit different, but everyone's pretty different, aren't they, I suppose, if you have a deeper look. Yeah, they certainly are. Beginning with the Port Adelaide, of course, the inaugural team. Long time ago now. Yeah, long time. I was... Um, it was funny. I still remember the day Alan Stewart was the, the head recruiter there. So he was my local club, Central Districts, going back a bit further. He was the ex-senior coach there, so I knew his family. And when he informed me that they were going to take me as a, the 17-year-old, it was um, an interesting time because uh, Central Districts and South Australia were, were rivals with, with Port Adelaide. So Dad wasn't too happy, but um, hmm. I think he got his head around it eventually. But, yeah, I was. it was... Yeah, one minute you're sort of you're in the league, you're thinking about it, and then next minute you're rolling into training. And Gavin Wanganeen's there, and at that stage, you know Matthew Primus and Scott Cummings, he was there. So guys you watch on TV, so it's a bit bit of a fantasy. Those first few years at Port Adelaide, um, multiple sort of minor premiers, and then ultimately premiers. Yeah, some phenomenal names rolled around in those sides. Yeah, we had a solid solid team, really. Um, probably guys like myself um, sort of rode on the coattails a little bit of <laughs> some other people's careers. Um, you know, certainly uh, Warren Treadra up front made us look good by marking everything. But, you know, we were we were really solid. Um, you know, we just had balance everywhere. And I, I don't think we had a weakness. I think it was everyone, everyone chipped in and we didn't really have that dominant... Dominant midfielder, I think that helped. Like when I think about it, Josh Franco for a little bit there was, you know, I think he came third and second in the Brownlow. But yeah. but the midfield was just had great depth, and if you if one had a quiet day, you know, two or three would step up. So you know, when you look at the Brisbane team, we we weren't as good as them in terms of the midfield, but but um, you know, very similar in that you couldn't shut down the whole lot. So forwards always got good supply, um, defence always stood up. And from the outside looking in, it was a side that certainly wasn't short on confidence. <laughs> big personalities. Yeah, I suppose we like all all successful teams. You do you have that feeling of, you know, you could be five goals down with six minutes to go and, and still think you can win it, and almost surprise when you don't. So there's a fine line between um, the confidence and arrogance of of teams, and I think we probably walked that line a little bit. Um, took our medicine by by some really bad finals losses and haven't really got fond memories of that. Um, but then to get there in 04 was was all, was really relief. You know, like I think it's it's life changing for a lot of people in that team. I think you know you, you think about if you if you failed again as that team, you know we we probably would have needed to disband the team a fair bit to to change up the change the mix. Almost think well. Gee, it's not, it's not going to happen for this group. So you almost become so scarred. Oh, you know, there were, 
there was one year, I think we were three games clear on top and we lost two home finals to, to teams we should have won against. Um, full credit to them. Got the job done at the time. I'm not a believer in um, people still finals or still premierships. I think whoever wins in the two hours, yeah. they deserve it. So no point talking about what could have happened, but I certainly think if that was a fourth year where we we uh, we bombed out, you know, two thousand one was was one where it doesn't get talked about as much as oh two oh three, but Hawthorne, um, our old team, were I think we were th- well, seventeen points up at three quarter time, and and uh, I think Johnny Barker kicked a couple the from the out. impossible, yeah. shocking inside out kicks. Um, <laughs> just doesn't happen there, but it did so. I think that's the one that got away because then, then you get into the, you know, a prelim um, against Essen at that point, who we had a good record against, and and that was Brisbane's um, first flag. So, see now I'm starting to talk about what ifs. I'm wasting my time. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I'm wasting. You you I just, I still, you know, you do, you think about it, you think about it, you think about those things, and um, even even still now. Oh, every now and then, you know, you just sit and you feel like. Um, you're underachieved. Yeah, yeah, and that's not being um, ungrateful for for '04, but but certainly for for the other years, yeah. you feel like um, you know maybe maybe we did take it for granted at the time, and 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 that cost us. So we'll we'll sort of jump around a little bit here, but of course you, you know you had some time off Hawthorne, and then Sydney as an assistant coach. Mm. Um, so following on from that theme, do you, do you feel like Sydney? Underachieved during that period from what you 2010, yeah. you'd begun as development coach, yes. and obviously finished up in 16. Yeah, uh, 17, end of 17. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I certainly think. Um, yeah, again, you look at it and think, just one more flag, and it's not being greedy, but the list was pretty impressive. Um, and certainly, probably the list in uh, in fourteen was, on paper, maybe better than than twelve. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it shows that it's actually more about the the commitment of the twenty two rather than the the list on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, twenty twelve, the mix was right, um, and it was a different mix. You know, you got Mitch Morton coming in out of abs- out of absolutely nowhere, um, but it was one of those ones when you're talking in match committee, it's like. Geez, Mitch Morton might might kick us a couple when we need it. Yeah. Um, and he did. Three was it? And that yeah, tick two and set up Kieran Jack, I think. So it's just it just went to script. Um, and I think you know for a little bit there, Sydney wouldn't. I can say we, I guess at the time. Um, you know, we were always get nervous when teams got out to three or four goals because we weren't a heavily scoring side. I think um, you guys got out to a, a reasonable lead there, but in the second quarter they just bounced. I think yeah. six goals, so um, you start getting nervous. I think Gunston kicked the goal just before quarter time. It was like you're walking down the stairs and you're thinking, "What look are you going to see on the players' faces?" And sometimes you get a blank look, and other times you get this this steely look. And they and thankfully they had that, you know, because sometimes you walk back up and go, "Geez, not today." And I I reckon. Um, Certainly felt that look in 2014 yeah. when, when uh, obviously the Hawks come out breathing fire there. So we'll sort of go back. You finished up at Port Adelaide yeah. um, after 
you know, really you know, successful career and a premiership and, and plenty of finals and you just had enough of football. Yeah, I always had this this um, thought in my head, well, two things, um, a one-team player and uh, and also to go back to, to Central Districts because um, that was my team that I followed as a, as a young lad. Um, yeah. My dad followed them from their inception in the 60s, so he came out from England um, and that, that was his team. So I was sort of indoctrinated into that from an early age and um, I actually lived in... Port Adelaide Magpie Zone, but my nana lived in Central Zone. Yeah. So they, we put my address down, put my address down as my nana's house so I could play for Central. Yeah. So um, you can't take that back now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it, um, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting time where I thought, yeah, I just don't want to play for another club. Um, but it's probably, you know, it's immature in the end, really. Um, because I think I was probably mentally um, done at that club, and and should have actually looked elsewhere. But in the end, I, I was just about to to gear up to to play at Centrals, and I think Clarko got wind of it, <laughs> made a call, and um, I sort of got off the phone. I thought he can't he can't be serious. Okay, he can't so be serious. What, what happened in that phone call? Because you'd had you'd had twelve months off. Effectively, oh, I think at that time it was probably I was working for Port Adelaide. Um, and doing some media work, uh, much like yourself, not carrying out as as accomplished as you, um, Brad. But um, I think I, I reckon it was August, July, August, and uh, yeah, saw Clarko's phone number, picked it up, and he said, "Oh, you're going to play footy again?" I said, "Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to play for Central Districts. So I've got a bit of work to do, but yeah. that's where I'm going to go." Yeah. I always said I would, and he said, um, "What about the brown and gold?" And I, I thought he was joking. I thought he was just ringing to see how it was going. And, and it sort of progressed. He said, oh, anyway, I'll, I'll check in with you in a week and have a chat to the old man and, and see what he thinks. And um, it just snowballed from there, really. Like, I, I was a Hawthorne supporter when I was younger because John Platten yep. originally came from Central. So um, a few things lined up. Obviously, Clarko, the Hawthorne, the fact I barracked for them, um, Andrew Russell was there and a, and a guy named Jeff Morris who who was really um, instrumental in my career, I think, from Port Adelaide days. And Jeff was probably one that got on the phone and and talked me through it as well, you know, almost saying, well, why not? You don't want to sit back and, and say, why don't I have a go? And, and, yeah. change, and change, I think, to grow up. Um, it was good to get out of, out of, actually, to get out of Adelaide and, and grow up. So, I mean, those initials... Conversations began in August, yeah. you say? Yeah. And then, I guess, effectively, it wasn't until November. November, yeah, draft. Um, where where Hawthorne ultimately drafted you. Mm. What happened? During, in between. <laughs> what happened during that period of time? Uh, well, initially, the, the first one, I flew over and met with um, met with Clarko again and, and Andrew Russell, and we actually went and did a, um, a 2K time trial. <laughs> so... <laughs> probably a forte of yours. Probably sprung on me a little bit. Um, or two point two it was. Yeah. And um, and I, I remember thinking I, I think my my PV I don't know what probably like seven thirty five or forty. And I remember thinking if I break ten minutes here, I'm, I'm on my way. You know because I, I hadn't exactly um, 
trained for it. Yeah. So anyway, it was just really it was like Clarko said, I don't care what you run. We just need a starting point and then and then we can set some goals. So um, Jack would probably be able to clarify. I, I, I think I was I think I was just under nine or just over. Yeah. So I was wrapped. I'm thinking this can't be that hard to knock off another minute and a half, you know? Like I didn't think it was um I thought I'm actually okay with that. You know, yeah. it's August, September there's plenty of time. Round one's not till March, so. Um, but obviously, there was a lot of work in between. I think I went riding with Clarko out Mount Macedon one day on Melbourne Cup day. So he had two bikes strapped on his car. So he picked you up. From he's the... picked me up from the airport. He's got two bikes. I didn't know what I was doing. He said, "Just come in, come in training gear." Walked out as he does. He's got two bikes on the back. I thought, okay, we're going for a ride. Yeah. He's a nutty professor, and um, and we're doing 110 down down the freeway and I just happened to something caught my eye in the rear view like my side mirror I was in the passenger seat and there was a bike bouncing along the highway and he hadn't he hadn't strapped it on properly <laughs> so oh I'm losing it because he said it's um, Ross Smith's bike so Jack's bike's bouncing along the highway so Clarko strapped his bike he, he's with Jack in no dramas <laughs> anyway so he's pulled over we've jogged down and it was just it was totaled. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, it looks like we're not riding today. So anyway, we went to Mount Masson and, and ran around for an hour and a half up and around Mount Masson. Yeah. So I would have preferred the bike, to be honest. So I'm surprised he didn't put you in the bike and just tootle along oh, in the car behind you. I know. I thought of, I thought there's got to be something coming. You know, he loves his curveball. Curve yeah, so yeah. I did that maybe three or four times. I came over and just had a kicking session um, and just did some running. And I think it was just really... That first day was just to get a starting point, and then then put a plan in place with with um, with Jack and Jeff was a massive help. I don't know if we'll get to it, but but Jeff really once I got to the club, you know we'd do the normal training, then Jeff and I'd go to the the thousand steps and and cruise around there for two or three hours. Um, but it was just a it was an interesting time, you know. I, I think I got drafted on a Saturday. Um, and I was, I was actually working for Port on that day, so I think I was on a fishing charter hmm. hosting some people. And so I had no service on my phone. And the night before, I said to Clark, I said, well, can we? Can you guarantee that I'll get drafted? He said, well, I can't give you a guarantee, but I'll get it done. So I know obviously there was a, there was a clear argument on the, on the day. Yeah. Um, and I think I walked my nomination in sort of at 11.59 before the 12... You know, just because I just didn't want the, the circus, yeah. you know, and I thought there's a lot of... Clarko's going out on a, on a whim here. So... Oh, man, Put his that, job on the line, really. Well, like, effectively, yeah. And so were you aware at the time that Clarko literally did sort of really had to... St- he stuck his neck out. He almost put his job on the line to get you over the line. Yeah. With I, the directors. I probably didn't the, understand the... Um, the level now, obviously, being in the coaching system and certainly as a senior coach, I can imagine the conversations that would have been going on. You know, like I'm surprised he got it through, to be honest. Um, and it probably shows that that when he wants something, he goes after it. Um, but also for me, um, once he told me, so he's like, "You've got my word, I'll get it done." Um, I was pretty keen to re- repay the faith, mm. and and I think for him, pretty ballsy, really, because if Let's let's say let's say it doesn't work out, and I, I'm shocking. I'm no good in that first year. Like, there's a chance to get sacked. You know, it's for a big call. You know, I don't know what pick forty odd or whatever. Um, 
but that that's a pretty big call for that's for a list that you know made finals and 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 was on the cusp, but um, yeah, he, he went out. He, he put his uh, he put his you know what's on the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, remarkably, the story could not have played out to script any better. Fast forward, you know, <laughs> yeah. ten, eleven months from that point in time. Yeah, well, he said to me, he said, I reckon at one point in in January, you know, I was, I was coming along, and he just said, look, we don't need you to play every game. We just needed you to play 15 games. And in the end, I played 15 games. On a knocker. Yeah. So it was interesting. I think it was grand final week when um, just after the prelim. Because, you know, the prelim, I think, we were up by a fair bit. So yeah. I was just like, get me off the ground. I'm not doing a hammy in the last quarter. Yeah. Like, get me off. And I remember, I think it might have been straight after. And I said, next week will be the 15th game. It's funny how things work out. Was, was there ever... A moment or a feeling that you had where he sort of looked at you and he just gave you a you, you owe me kind of a a moment? Nah, I reckon um, you know the plan was not to play so early. I think I played some um, pre-season games, yeah. and the plan I sort of got to a position where I was probably in okay condition to play. And in the end, I think Jack and him and I and we're like, well. Why do a training session? Might as well just use it as a training run and just see what happens. And in the end, started the season. And I think it was round two. And I'd never done a, a hamstring. And late in the late in the game, I got it in the middle of the ground. And I saw a big roughy about 75 away. And I thought, I might get, be able to get it there. And my hammy, hammy just went snap. And I remember, I still, you know, because I hadn't done one, I actually just stretched thinking, is that is that like cramp? And then I thought, nah. And I just walked off. And that's when I thought, Jesus hasn't this hasn't started well, you know. But luckily, you know, I think if the team weren't winning, there would have been more heat. Yeah. But I think because the team kept winning, did we win nine or first nine or ten or because the team kept winning, I was sort of this sideshow. Yeah. So I, you know, I was just like off to the side. But if we lost two in a row, I think the dialogue probably changes around this experiment of bringing me back. What's your and for for all. Hawthorne fans in particular, but the third quarter in the grand final. Mm. There's, there's never been a more, I don't think there's been a more influential sort of five to ten minute period in a grand final by one player. Mm. What's your recollection of that? those moments? Um, well, I remember thinking, um, I, 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 when we're probably similar, I remember thinking if we can be close at half time, it's, it's a bit like Federer getting in a fifth set, isn't it? Like he's not... It's not a normal spot for him. Yeah. Um, so I thought, if we can get close at half time, but it was a little bit about how how the first half had gone. Um, I think we, we were probably the least organised we'd been all year, I felt. You know, we hadn't got our defensive shape, but we were still in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'd missed a couple of easy ones just before half time. So I thought, we're actually in all right shape here. If we can get a couple in the third, the doubts start creeping in. Plus, they'd won the year before, so maybe maybe a couple start thinking, yeah, maybe today's not our day. But um, we had that probably just a mix of hunger or you know even just young guys that weren't overawed by the occasion. You know, I think what was Louis maybe twenty two, yeah, roughly, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, they're just so excited. I remember running running out through the banner because our whole theme was like, yeah, you know, I remember talking to Crawford like you just. You've just got to lap up the day because this could be it. This yeah. could, and particularly for him, 
Like, that was it. That was it, um, yeah. And he'd worked a lot harder than everyone else. But I remember coming through the banner and I saw your face. Your teeth were just <laughs> looking back at me. And I just thought, how good life. Like, I'm thinking, what was I doing this time last year? I was actually sitting in the grandstand before the, the Port Geelong game. Um, but, yeah, it was the recollection. I, I just think I always knew I was never going to get many touches. It was just had to be value value for touches. But also going into the game, I thought, well, as a player, I, pro- I really did underachieve with what I was given, I guess, in, in terms of talent. So I thought I've got about two hours to to actually reverse some of the damage I've done in, hmm. in other years. Yeah. You know, when I sit back and go, I should have, I should have been a better player, um, for sure, for sure. I should have been a better player, but that's what going into the game, I remember going to bed the night before thinking, well, if you have a good game tomorrow and we win, it actually changes my whole career. You know, I thought, I thought there's not many moments you get because it's a grand final. Yeah. They're remembered more than the sort of 12 years you play. What was that, Because I had some absolute stinking games. <laughs> You know, I remember one game off this over, I think, I had one touch. It's yeah. just embarrassing, <laughs> you know. So um, I think it was real fear, but also, like, geez, if this pulls off, like, you know, it's fairytale stuff for, for all of us, you know. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, senior coach now yourself, how, how do you go about imparting those lessons and your learnings onto this young team you've got at the Gold Coast now yeah I mean it's a bit of a buzz thing at the moment isn't it storytelling but you got to be I'm certainly not at the front talking about myself um, I think the time you get one on one is is really crucial yep. and then you can assess where they're at and you can weave in stories of others you know um, it doesn't always have to be about yourself you know I can you know, even like your story, where you came from, rookie list. I quite often talk to, I guess, late draft picks and rookies around, go and pick any grand final team and how many guys come from the rookie list. Yep. And a lot of us, because of their attitude at the start of their career. So um, whereas I was the only 17-year-old pick, so that was expected. And how was my attitude at the start of my career? It's totally different to what yours would have been. And yep. and that's that would have been why I underachieved. Um, and someone like like you and others get the absolute most out of their career. Yeah. Um, so I think there's that's sort of the and I guess the the journey I had of um, you know ups and downs and and change of clubs and you know I've always been I guess um, certainly my later part of my career just grateful to the game. It's pretty good, isn't it? Like we're sitting here, you get paid pretty to lucky. Talk about the game, watch the game, analyse, help people. The best part of the job is telling someone they're playing and the absolute worst part is telling someone they're out of the team. Um, You know, I think that you can almost like physically sick when it gets to to Thursday Arvos. But when you're looking at it from the outside, it doesn't doesn't seem that way. But so you sort of try and balance it out. As a... What what do you what's the most what makes you the most uncomfortable? What's the most difficult aspect of being a senior coach? Um, oh, I think I think delivering that news when people are out of the team. Yeah. Um, initially, oh, I think that's that's the most uncomfortable you can get because you know you're actually 
you're telling someone that at, right at that moment they're not good enough, um, depending on, on the circumstances. You know, if it's a really clear one, I think that's it doesn't make it easier, but I think the conversation's easier. But if it's one that's line ball and you've, you've probably made a call mm-hmm. between one or two, mm-hmm. if it's clear, I think, you know, that's bearable to a point. But when it's a line ball call and, and then you're almost thinking, you can walk away thinking, gee, did I, did I give enough clarity? Yep. Did I say it the right way? Um, you know, where's his headspace at now? Is he going to bounce back? I think you're always just analysing those conversations, those one-on-ones when it's bad news. It's really easy to give the good news. So I guess effectively you had a, an apprenticeship at Sydney yeah. for seven or eight? Seven years. Yeah, I think the first year was development. Yeah. Um, then I did defence, then midfield and um, stoppages. And yeah, so that was it was a good grounding. How, how, do you, how do you know when you're ready to be a senior coach? Um, I think you... It's really, a ch- I think it's a choice. Like you, you choose if you're ready to put your your name out there, and you're ready to put yourself on the line. And because yeah. it's easy as an assistant to sit back and go, "Oh, I'd do this and I'd do that." And I think once you really start, if that that's quite a, it can be quite flippant. I reckon early days, like you might look at even other coaches, and you'll be like, "Oh, I would have just done that." But I reckon once you start looking at deeper yeah. and analysing why you think that if that makes sense. You know, like, you don't just throw something out there flippantly. It's actually thinking a little bit deeper about it. And, and I was lucky enough at Sydney that we had a crew that were together for a really long time. So the synergy there was was great. Mm. And and then because of that, there was a lot of autonomy in our jobs, um, a lot of trust in each other and responsibility handed over, which was which was good grounding. Like, I look, look at the things I do now... And there's a, th- there's a few things that you know happen, but the intricacies of it and the emotions attached to it are a little bit different. Yeah. But a lot of the other stuff, I think, um, has held me in good stead. The exposure I got. I mean, the, you use it Port Adelaide, you use it Hawthorne, and then Sydney, of course. You're, you've always been in successful cultures and within successful groups uh, and teams what is it about Sydney in particular that makes them um, you know arguably in terms of finals appearances the most one of the most successful teams yeah yeah I remember um, there's a few things so there's stability off field which you know looking at all the, all the big clubs of the last 10 15 years yep. really stable off field now people Individuals come and go, but the the bulk or weight of numbers are really stable and aligned. And then, you know, I think, um, you know, particularly Sydney with their... Where they are, being out of Melbourne, I think, is a bit of an advantage. So even when they're going really well, there's not this massive bandwagon. And when they're not going that well, um, it's not doom and gloom. So yep. it's, it's really neutral, I guess, by design, by location. And then um, the playing group, Obviously, the the framework of their culture was set up around high accountability for the players, um, which I think was the mechanism of that and how it was passed down from generation to generation. And it's a little bit like, um, you know, in cricket or when there's a captain and 
you know, because they're really, it's really stable cricket teams most of the time. But yeah. when one or two come in, they really know what to expect and they're showing the way. Yeah. Um, excuse me. <coughs> so I think um, the the Sydney Sydney model is high accountability from the players, and and the coaches really just support that and facilitate. Yeah. So the the player power was something. You know, my first Christmas break, we used to, you know, let's say 21st of December, players break up. Then on the 23rd, 26th, you know, every three days, we'd say there'd be a coach, um, a fitness guy and a, and a medical staff member from 8 till 10. If anyone wants to come and do their program with other people, no worries. And I remember I put my name down. I want to make a good impression. I was going to be there, so I put my name down for as a development coach. And I rolled up the first day and Jude Bolton, Rhino Keith and Adam Goods came <laughs> and they did this session that I was just like, no wonder these blokes are champions of the league right yeah, now. Right. And I'm thinking, I hadn't seen that before, you know, from the club I was at. Yeah. You know, I remember thinking, here's three blokes who are arguably, you know, probably the most decorated at that time. And I thought... They just went hammer and tong with each other, drove each other, and I remember just looking, going, "Geez, I was miles off that. No wonder, no wonder I, yeah. you know, you know, we all did our program, but was I meeting up with the most fittest and getting him to help drive? And nah, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> um, and then three days later, the same three blokes rocked up again with a couple of other boys. But I just thought, that's that's pretty impressive. Like the attitude around. Um, they're still having their time off. Yeah. But, you know, I think I spoke to Goodsy and said, you know, how do you, you know, me- balance the mental break? And he said, well, when you think about how many hours in a day and I've just got to come here for a couple of hours and, and go really hard and get it done and, and feel good for the rest of the day. So that's how he justified it in his head. Whereas, um, you know, I was always one. I, I'd have to get up early and get it done. Whereas, you know, some guys would do it at five, six at night. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> you know, with it just hanging over your head all day. Yeah, no way. Um, I was one to get straight up and get out there and, yeah. and do it. But but the way in which they went about it, I thought, no wonder these players are are the most powerful people at this club because they were the ones driving the standards. There's a couple of pretty significant things that happened at Sydney <clears throat> during your time, of course, a premiership, but um, also recruiting Bud. Mm. I mean, you're a premiership teammate with with Bud, yeah, and good mates. And then he then is the big recruit coming to Sydney. Mm-hmm. Huge news across the country, and now you are his one of his coaches. Yeah, it was funny. Um, obviously, it was it needs to be pretty tightly held how that how that came about. So I, I still remember Ruffy telling me uh, he rang me. And said, oh, Rough did. Yeah, Ruffy rang yeah. me and said, um, you've got Bud. And I'd laugh. I just said, hop. There's no <laughs> chance we got Buddy, mate. He's mild. Buddy he's mild's said, pretty good. And he said, don't know you have. And um, I was like, so I went in I went in the next day. I can't remember what time. It was late in the year, really late. And I sort of said to horse, I said, oh, so I'm here and there's a rumour out there about I didn't put Ruffy under the bus but I said there's a rumour out there that we've got Buddy and Horse goes oh nah how can we get him <laughs> you know and then a week later it happened yeah so I went back in I said oh 
no worries. <laughs> Thanks for that. And he goes, oh, well, you got to understand that we had to keep it pretty tight. And I said, yeah. Yeah. I said, well, P.S. Ruffy told me a week ago. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was, you know, massive, massive news. Um, and I think it was bigger than Buddy even, even thought, and it took him a while to adjust. Um, big change for him, but a little bit like um, it's been really good for him to get out of Melbourne and, and grow up, you know, almost not not that I'm comparing myself to Buddy, but <laughs> took me to move out of Adelaide, my comfort zone, to, to really, you know, grow up and, and uh, you know, not just Hawthorne but then Sydney. Yeah. Um, I think, and obviously Jacinta um, has been a massive influence on him and in a positive way, and so he's really happy. But, gee, it was, um, yeah, it was interesting early because, um, yeah, it's weird when you got uh, someone you played with. You know, Joey, Joey Kennedy was there and Benny McGlynn. Yeah. And you're always wary of getting caught talking to them too much because you don't want anyone to think you're favouring them or... So I always think as ex-teammates, you, you almost distance yourself a little bit, which maybe is not the right call. Yeah. Maybe, maybe over-analyzing. So effectively, don't take this the wrong way, but effectively you go from chocolates to ball dollars. You go from one of the, the strongest cultures within the AFL in Sydney to then taking the reins at one of the, from the outside looking in, one of the clubs that have one of the you know, weakest cultures. How, how do you how do you parlay those learnings into your new job or yeah. at, at the Suns? Yeah, I think I think it um, patience is is one word because I think you can't, as you know, like the culture takes time to build, but then it's an everyday thing. So it's not like you all of a sudden you get to a point and go, oh, we'll we'll fix the culture. Um, it's ongoing. You got to look after it. So I certainly think as a, a club in its infancy. Um, and it's well documented that, that there's things that, that could have been done better along the way. Um, so really our our mantra at the moment is making sure that we, we build it right and take our time. Like, you know, to come in one month in and say, all right, this is what we're going to do, this, this and this, um, you don't really know the place. So mm-hmm. I think there's been mistakes in the past where you try and transport what you've seen at a good club and go, right, we're just doing it here. But you've got to know, have you got the right people? Have you got the players? Um, so this 12 months has been about exploring the whole whole club. So with that staff, it's um, it's the admin staff. It's who are we? You know, and I think we're not we're not a we're not a big club. We're a community based club. You know, on the Gold Coast, which is fantastic community. But I don't think we've connected with them. And when I say we, in previous times, well yeah. enough. Um, so we're really working on that so that. If there's a connection there, then they'll come along for the journey rather than it being that shallow one of, oh, wins will bring people. I think we can still bring people along whilst we're in our infancy. Um, but I certainly think it's about finding out what you've got first before you make big decisions. Um, now, injuries this year have probably allowed us to have a real good look at the list. You know, we've had a fair few. So yep. guys have had a lot of opportunities. So at the end of the year... Um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to make some informed decisions and we, we won't be guessing on some of those. Um, but I think it is it is about understanding that you've got to make your own identity. So, yes, I know and some other people know that have been at other good clubs what works, but it's the how you get it done. They're not – no clubs are the same. Like Sydney, Port, Hawthorne, yeah. all really good cultures, but 
they've got some variations. So people say that being a senior coach changes men. Um, you haven't started going grey yet. You haven't started losing <laughs> your hair. It seems to be agreeing with you at this early stage. Does, does it change it? Um, oh, I'm probably too. Oh, I'm too green, really. I think to to assess that. What, what would uh, what would your wife Sarah say? Would she? Oh no, she I think um, it's been great actually because um, you know it's been a great move for our, our family, and that was one thing I think taking the job it had to be. Everything had to align. So, you know, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go with Ruzi to Melbourne. And um, and that was, you know, a really, really good opportunity to work with Ruzi. And at the time, I think, um, you know, Sarah had a really good job. Um, our daughter was really young. You know, so we were first-time parents. Yep. Um, so we're still learning about parenting, you know. Like, so you jump into that role um, if you want that to work. Does your parenting suffer, um, or if you maintain your parenting, are you giving your role what you need to do? So, a lot of things had to align. And the, the other one with that was, I felt like it was a bit like my career that things happened easily for me. So in a bit of a sick way, I was like, I've just Rosie's given me another opportunity. And it's just like been given to me, really. You know, and I felt like, no, I think I think I have to reverse this trend. <laughs> in my own head for to be able to put in what I need to and, and learn the most. So that's why when the Gold Coast one come up, I thought this is a, this is a really good opportunity because it is, it's not even blank canvas. Like I think we have to get through a little bit of stuff from previous to then then get to the start line yeah. to then, then start to build. So that's the exciting part. And really I think, you know, the, the people that I've noticed at the club are heavily invested in, in the Gold Coast, so I think that's that's the recipe there. It's it's the investment in the place, um, and obviously players come and go, no doubt, high profile or low profile. But mm-hmm. that happens at other clubs as well. Um, it just happens at an expansion clubs probably under bigger microscope, given that they're new and people probably question whether they should be there. But having lived there now for a fair while, it absolutely should be there. Like. The participation rates of AFL footy in a in a rugby league heartland are are really soaring, and I saw it in the back end of my time at Sydney. You know, the big schools have now got AFL. Like you used to drive around and see no one bouncing a footy down yeah. the street in the parks. Um, this is my time in Sydney, so 2010, probably around 2014, 15, you start to see kids in Guernseys, um, and you start to see people down the park with a footy, not a rugby ball. Yeah. Then you start to schools. Big rugby schools are now got AFL because the parents are saying, well, where's AFL for our kids? So I think maybe Queensland's a little bit behind because it's starting to head up the coast. But um, I certainly see the the academy that the Swans have you know, formed there has a big influence in that. And we need to invest a lot more in our academy. You know, I think the spend of Swans Academy is about 1.4. Currently we're 250,000, 300,000. So we need to invest in that. Yeah. Um, and we've obviously got North Queensland as well, which um, is a little bit untapped. So it, it's growing. And it's not for now. Like, I think everyone's... Again, um, clubs had to start somewhere. I mean, Hawthorne, how long were they around before they won a flag? You know, and we're not saying we want that to happen. Yeah. But but to establish, um, the easy thing would be, well, let's not even try. But the growth of the population is going to be there. And there's interest... Um, 
we've got to do things better, absolutely. Probably changed my life. Then you know that phone call? Like, do I just go and roll around and play at Central Districts and, you know, who knows what I'm what I'm doing now? Yeah. But I reckon that role and what how we got why he got me there probably sparked my interest in coaching. Yeah. Um, and then and then from there it, it's been it has been life changing. So is that on my coaching career? It's probably just on my life. Like that's big, you know, one of the biggest influence. But then you know, I still think like guys like I mentioned him before, but Jeff Morris was yeah. I, I do go back to how he was for me as a coach, um, that individual care, but also hardness. Yeah. You know, like he, he was hard. He was hard on us. Um, so how, 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 how do you straddle that yeah. that line? Well, I think if you, yeah, I think if you get to know the player as much as possible, um, and it's hard because you've got 45, but then, you know, I think Jeff really invested in, in us. You know, I remember Jeff even in, you know, Christmas break and, you know, I, my parents had a holiday place an hour and a half out of Adelaide, so he just rang me one day. He said, oh, we might come for a drive. I'm going to go for a run. You know, he really? just lob, go for a run, and then he'd get in his car and drive back. I'm thinking, that's three or four hours out of his day, yeah. or like Boxing Day. or So you try and remind yourself of... You take it for granted at the time, but now as a coach, I'm thinking, how do you find time for all of us doing that? And he wasn't the senior coach. Um, he was development coach, but, but I sit there and think, you know, and he still rings me now. See how I'm going. He's a legend. That's cool. I mean, that's this is 15, 20 years ago, and the kids yeah. entering the system now, presumably, are very, very different. Yeah, it's so individualised now from a young age. You know, I think even uh, yeah, when, when we played, it was like one size fits all. Like, coach talked to everyone exactly the same. And if you copped it, you copped it. Didn't matter if you're 18 or, mm. you know, I remember even at Centrals, um, some of the, like Stevie Wright was my coach who used to play for for um, Sydney. You know, he was he was hard on me, but I reckon it was it was a good thing. Um, and it, it, it actually made you, it made you a better player. Yeah. Um, certainly. And it prepared you for playing against men. You know, I think I played league when I was 16 so that was reasonably early but so I think he's just preparing you for for what you're capable of yeah um but they're certainly different these days he's so individualized that you've got to treat everyone under the same <laughs> the same banner yeah. but differently if that makes sense yeah and it seems to be seems to change quickly in the game is always evolving one aspect of the game that is always changing and is having an impact, particularly at your club, is player movement, mm. free agency. You, yeah, oh, it's interesting. Like even take our club out of it, it is free agency working? It's probably for for everyone to sit down and have a look. Is it working? Yes, it's working in terms of player movement. Yeah, um, but is it working in terms of um, not equalising? Is it fair? Is it fair? I'm not sure. Is it there to equalise the... I don't think it was brought in to equalise the competition, but I think it's having a bearing on, on I guess, teams being able to jump from the bottom rung to the middle rung to the top rung. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the draft's brought in to equalise the competition, um, but I'm not sure that in itself isn't enough either. So there's the trade, 
there's draft, but then the lower teams don't really have that opportunity for free agency. No, I mean, there's aspect of free agency and <coughs> player movement yeah. and, and restrictions of, of trade, I guess, yeah. as part of the motivation. Yeah. And I think being a, a non-Victorian team, you know, even look at Adelaide Footy Club, Tippett, Gunston, Dangerfield, Davis, it's not a bad, not a bad group of players. And they've survived. They've got greater depth. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, that. so it's not exclusive to us. But I certainly think the northern, northern markets, not being a footy state, there's a lot more playing Adelaide. So guys might get drafted out of Adelaide and they may lose guys like Dangerfield, but then they get guys like Gibbs back. So there's a little bit of, um, you know, one all there. But for Queensland and even New South Wales, it doesn't it doesn't quite happen that way. How, how do you and tilt the ledger back in your favour? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. To be honest, I haven't spent a lot of time because this year has been you know, a real, uh, not a steep learning curve, but we've been really engrossed in what we're doing in the, the short, medium, long term. Yep. And whilst this season's going, we're really planning for, for next. And that never goes away, um, but I haven't got to the the pointy end of that sort of stuff. You know, and even with Tom's situation, um, it's not like I was sitting there trying to think of different equations because it wasn't going to be relevant for this case. Yep. But I do think at the end of the year um, that we do need to have the discussion around what does it look like, you know, um, is it going well? And, I know, and it probably gets back to why was it brought in? Is it just for, for player movement and rewarding, um, I guess, time at club? So, you know, no issue with Tom because he has done, you know, has done eight years. So he's a restricted free agent and um, given great service to the club. Um, but, yeah, it was when it became public in that we still had games to go, I think that's when it changed. Yeah. Um, but we have, we as a club have had players leave after two or three years. So I think it's almost every player's a free agent now. Um, I'm not sure if that, maybe that needs tightening. Yeah. Because I don't have the issue with the eight, eight or so years, seven, eight years, if you've given good service. Um, but the issue when, a, you know, if I draft Brad Sewell, you put two years into you and then you just go, no, I'm going back and I want to go to that club. Well, you sort of, you're backed into a corner a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it difficult. It pops into your mind oh. when I say the word Alastair Clarkson. Loyal. It was an easy one to start with, wasn't it? <laughs> Choco Williams? Um, yeah. Basics. Basics? Yeah. Well, he just... He taught the basics really well. Like, yep. Just with us, who were starting our, our footy journey, he drummed the basics in every day. Yeah. You know, John Carr was my first coach, but Mark Williams really because I was he was assistant. So back then it was only a couple of coaches, but but Mark had us at the club every day with the basics. Yeah, Warren yeah. well, Treadray. Oh, un- underrated. Yeah, Kane Corns. Tagger. Adam Goods. Oh. Um, champion John Longmire uh, very loud <laughs> he was very, he had like good voice when he went 
it was so loud. Yeah. Like it's just, it, it, you know, you heard, you would have heard John Kennedy speak. Yeah. And I, and John Longmire was coached by John Kennedy. Oh, of course. Um, but I reckon, yeah, John Kennedy. I remember that night at Hawthorne, he got up to speak at a function. There was a microphone. You hit a pin drum. And he just, he just said, "No, I don't need that." Yeah. <laughs> and it just echoed through the, through the room, and I reckon, horse isn't at that level, mm-hmm. but um, he had a commanding voice. Yeah. Stephen May. He's he's far. He, he's passionate. Do, can I use more than one word? No, yeah, really. I'm so. breaking the no, rules. So right. I've just you've always dribbled. Broken, you've broken the rules for your career. Why, why stop now? He's passionate. Yep. Tom Lynch. Um Lynchy. I I really I I'd probably feel I would have loved to work with Lynchy more. So I guess um unfulfilled is not the word, but our relationship was unfulfilled. Yeah. Yep. I would have loved to work with him more. He, He's a hard worker. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He worked. He worked really hard, and um, you know, he obviously with his knee this year, he put his body on the line. Yeah. So, Buddy Franklin, uh, freak, freak. Stevie, when was the last time you <laughs> cried? Um, yeah, I, I can't. I, lot, uh, you know what? It was the other day. Um, and Mark Evans was actually interviewing me in front of the whole club and um, I, we were talking about something and, and I, I recalled the story about Jared McVeigh and, he, and his daughter oh, and yeah. that time at the footy club yeah. and we were talking about resilience and, and I, you know he's one of the most resilient people and, and, his, and uh, his wife with that time they went through and I was, as I was saying it you can feel it coming and then you try and stop it and, and you, you go to water. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was it in front of the whole club. Yeah, it's a tough one. Mm. Um, and we'll wrap it up finally with uh, your CEO of the AFL. What would you change about the game, if anything? Um, CEO. Oh, I'd... I'd like to tweak with the the program, the draw. Yeah. You know, like I think um, for it to be really, I guess, fair and even, um, everyone, play, just everyone play everyone once and have a longer final series. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we could we could tweak with that and perhaps shorter games. And I understand that the, the TV rights, but can we, do we have longer breaks? Yeah. Is there more interaction um, from the clubs in those breaks that, that fill those breaks so that, you know, if we shut, cut the game by um, 10, 15 minutes, but is there more interaction with with the teams during those breaks? Yeah. You know, is there more interviews? Is there better access? In terms of media access? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like, gee, the game hasn't been on for um, <laughs> 15 minutes at half time or 20 minutes. Um, is there just greater access? Yep. That's probably one thing. And I think... I think we need we need to give that, which I think we're getting there. We're it's getting, moving that way. It's it? moving that way. There's still a few. You still, as a senior coach, feel nervous about um, giving that access. But I reckon if they made a blanket rule where everyone was doing it, yeah, you know, because you look at some things, you go, oh, geez, that's putting yourself out there. You'll, you'll have that and moment then, at some stage. That's right. And there's well, you know. Upcoming, we, we're going to have, um, you know, be mic'd up for quarter time, three quarter time. Like, I'm in my first year. Do I need to be doing that? But I'm like, it's actually not about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so 
it, it it doesn't I don't really it doesn't care I don't care but I reckon if I had a blanket rule that this is what this is what's accepted and yeah. what we do yeah as coaches I think we can if we all agree on that I think then then it takes away that anxiety last one being the football journey man what's the what's the greatest lesson footy has taught you um oh I think that, that that things, I guess the the greatest lesson footy's taught me is is that, that that things that are achievable when you get a group of people that invest so heavily, and and re- and when I say invest, like really care for each other, I reckon that's when you can achieve something that you never thought possible. That's why you know in. In, and, and it's all timing. Like mm-hmm. 2008, I reckon we just peaked right at that time and everyone was feeling good. Um, and I think that when you're looking at each other running through the banner and you, you're thinking, well, we're going to win today. Yeah. Like no one else thinks it, but I'm looking at you going, we're actually going to win today. Yeah. Like, and it's not a – I think that, that feeling is, um, is, I guess, when you reflect is – However much you put in, you get out. And that's what I feel like playing-wise I probably didn't put enough in. Now, I was lucky enough to get some stuff out, which other people helped clearly. I was in the right place at the right yeah, time yeah. at times. and then, But as a coach, I'm like, right, putting everything in to try and get as much out. So There's no doubt all those sessions at Mount Macedon were worthwhile. <laughs> Stuart, Joe, Stevie, thank you very much for the chat. Thank you, Stevie.